Here's what's coming up on today's show. There's things you want to do, places you want to go, things you want to see, but you need your health in order to have that. When you retire, you're never going to be more healthy than the day you retire. So that's something you just got to plan for. There are many factors that contribute to success, skill, good work habits, positive mental attitude, and of course, proper planning. So let's head to the drafting table and get this retirement success blueprint underway with Michael Stewart of Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. I'm your co-host, Mark Killian. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. It's the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart and myself hanging out and talking about the countdown days to retirement. What to do, really, as we are getting closer to counting down those days towards retirement. And we've assembled a list of priorities to maybe keep in mind as we head for those golden years. So we're going to jump into that and some other things here in just a minute. Mike, what's going on, my friend? How you doing? I'm doing well. You know, um, spring, early summer's here. Weather's heating up. Uh, you know, golf courses are starting to green up too. So it's it's a good time. Yeah, it's uh, weird. The mother nature is strange. You're hot. You're hotter in your area than I'm in mine, and I'm more in the <laughs> south. What the heck? <laughs> That's true. Very, very strange. Well, speaking of weirdness, that's uh, inversions and whatnot. So I, I was reading the other day that, um, and, and I think I saw something on the podcast as well, that the V recovery, there's, they brought that back up and said that we might be at the end of that. Uh, what do you make of that? Yeah. If you think about the last few years, and, and really it could even be the last decade, you know, coming off the last financial crisis of 08, mm-hmm. 09 is that it's always been this buy the dip mentality because the market is just hockey sticked up for basically you know, not in the last 12 years, but definitely if you look at the last two up until recently here in 2022. So it's always been this buy the dip mentality where, hey, the market's down. Okay. Throw money in because tomorrow it'll be higher. Mm-hmm. So every time you get a couple percent sell off, you know, then all the pundits on TV are saying, you know, just throw more money in now because you know the <laughs> Fed's being accommodative and every 0% interest rates, there's no inflation and everything's going up. Well, now flip the calendar into 2022 and we're in a completely different cycle. And that's what we're seeing going on in the markets. You know, as time we're taping this here in May, you know, the NASDAQ's already in a bear market. Uh, the S&P 500 is knocking on the door within a few percentage points of a bear market. And you look at why, if you go back to 2021 and even the years pre- preceding that, you know, COVID aside, you had near 0% interest rates and accommodative Fed, you know, little to no inflation. And you had, you know, the Fed out there that anytime that there was something going on in the markets, they started selling off a little bit. They'd be like, hey, 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 we're just going to cut interest rates or, you know, we're just going to throw money at the problem. We'll come into 2022 and now you've got an aggressive Fed that's already raised interest rates three quarter percent. They'll probably add another one, one and a half percent more throughout the year. So then aggressive Fed. And then because inflation is at over 40 year highs, you're also in a situation where the Fed's not going to come to the rescue. They call it the Powell put, which is, you know, the Federal Reserve chairman will cut rates as soon as the market starts sliding. Mm-hmm. Well, they can't do that with where inflation is right now. So the, the whole idea of that these quick V-shaped recoveries are going to happen because the Fed's going to be accommodative and the government's coming to the rescue, that ain't happening this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're in a real pigeonhole too, aren't they? They just don't have a lot of... Um ammo, I guess, in the arsenal, which is why they're doing some of the things they're trying to do. So because we were in this, they've been in this spot, you know, with all the, the shutdowns and the stimulus and uh, production issues and all the things we got going on. So it's pretty interesting stuff. And, and certainly, yeah. you know, got people, Absolutely. got people concerned. Absolutely. And if you, and if you take a look at, you know, kind of what's worked over the last couple of years mm-hmm. versus now, uh, you know, I said the NASDAQ, you know, as an index, as we're recording, this is down about 25% year to date. So that's your, you know, your top hundred tech stocks. Right. But if you if you take a look at some specific names out there, like a lot of the, what they call the pandemic stocks, your tech names. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's like 
Teladoc, Carvana, Moderna, Peloton, all those kind of things, you know, the, what the stay at home stocks, right? Though, even though the NASDAQ's down around 25, most of those are down 70, 80, 90% just this year alone. Yeah. So, you know, the, and if you take a look at housing, you know, housing's been booming, but now that rates are going up, you look at things like Zillow and Open Door, a lot of those are down 50, 60% as well. You know, yep. so it's kind of the end of an era, you know, now that the free money's gone. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Well, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't change the fact that retirement's still a coming, right? So we got to get ready for it. And so, you know, let's talk still about what to do as we are counting down those days. And we might address a couple of these things along the way in here as part of our, our list of stuff, whether, you know, because the whole goal, Mike, is you still got to have to retire whenever that happens to fall in whatever cycle, you know, timing in life. You want to be able to retire in just about any environment. Obviously, that's the goal, right? And so we want to try to see if we can find some ways to uh, you know, tweak that or enhance that or just some things to even check off or be working towards. And I guess if you go into this with the mindset of, you know, somewhere in your 50s, you're starting to do some of this stuff, then it would make, you know, it makes a lot of sense and it gives you some time to do some of these things. So first one is obviously get healthy and stay healthy. I mentioned 50. Most people start to develop chronic issues in their 50s. So it's a good idea to start thinking about it so you can enjoy when you do get to retirement, like feeling healthy enough to, you know, enjoy yourself. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of retirement, right? Do right. all the things that, you know, you've been saving for and, you know, whether it's travel to go see the kids, travel the world, volunteer, whatever it happens to be. And, you know, especially in the U.S., you know, because, you know, one of the most unhealthy nations in all the world is that, you know, people, yeah, you start getting blood pressure, start getting diabetes, start getting other issues. And it has definitely to do with lifestyle choices. But if you think about, you know, let's say, you know, you started working full time in your 20s and here you work 30, maybe 40 years, you're knocking on the door of retirement around, you know, late 50s and 60s. Now, all of a sudden you're like, I still got another 30 years ahead of me. So, mm -hmm. you know, Tom Hegna, you know, one of our uh, income mentors for retirement goes out, you know, and classifies three different categories of life. When you retire, you get your go-go years. And that's when you first retire, maybe the first five, 10 years of retirement where you, you know, there's things you want to do, places you want to go, things you want to see, but you need your health in order to have that. When you retire, you're never going to be more healthy than the day you retire. You know, so that's something you just got to plan for. No, definitely. And we're, I think overall, we've been doing much better at this over the last, you know, 15 years or so. In general, I think people have that better mindset. But again, make sure it's on your list, develop some good habits. And the good habits hopefully might translate to good financial habits as well, too. So number two, and this I, I think, Mike, is a really big one. And it maybe it gets the attention, maybe it doesn't, because I think we do it as a a general catch-all cursory, well, I'm retired, I'm looking forward to the free time, but what am I actually going to do with the free time? And there's a lot of little pieces inside this. Like I think one highlight, if you can find one, uh, silver lining in COVID at all in the lockdowns was it was kind of maybe a test run for a lot of couples as to what being <laughs> together all the time might look like, which is retirement. Yeah, which is why some continue to work, right? Well, that's true too. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, so on one side, you know, when you figure out, you know, what are you going to do with your free time? When we start putting a plan together for somebody, we say, okay, you know, you're nearing retirement or you're eye in retirement. What are you going to do, you know, when when that last paycheck stops? What are you going to do with your time? You know, so this isn't even a financial conversation, and they'll and they'll say, well, you know, really haven't thought about it, or some people have, you know, done a deep dive in it, and the reason why is. And we talk about building plans with people is, you you know, retirement's not just about cessation of work. It's about what are you retiring to? You know, what are you excited to do next? It's not retiring from something. Right. And that's important because we just read, a, I was recently at an advisor conference a couple of weeks ago, and then they quoted a, a recent study, a mental health study that said 43% of retirees suffer from depression. And the reason is because a lot of people's personal worth 
has been in what they've done for the last 20, 30 years, mm -hmm. which is, you know, you know, I'm an engineer, I'm a teacher or whatever it happens to be. And now all of a sudden you retire from that. And if you're not retiring to something, you know, the, hey, the first week, two month may feel good because you don't have to go to work. But then after that, you're kind of looking around and like, you know, just intrinsically, you know, what, what's my worth now? What am I going to do? So that's definitely something that you need to know how you're going to spend that time going forward. Well, and I'm glad you kind of mentioned that, uh, you know, going to something, because even those folks who find themselves saying, God, I hate my job, right? I, I can't, or we've seen a lot of that with the great resignation and let me out of here, or I'm sick of this or whatever the case is, you know, if you were just, and I can't wait to just sit on the couch and do nothing, or I can't wait to just play tons of golf or whatever. That's all well and good for a while, but I think, Mike, and you've been doing this a long time, and I talk to advisors all over the country, you can only really do certain things for so – like, you can only play so much pickleball. Like, let's be honest, right? At some point, you're going to just – you, you kind of need something. So I think for the mental health aspect, because humans aren't – we're not really designed to just sit around and do nothing. you know. So maybe even a, a post-retirement something or another, a part-time job, volunteering or something. We could have combined two and three here together, but that's number three is kind of like – you know, maybe you do want to transition into doing something with some structure in retirement. No, I, I agree. And I think that really comes on from two things. And one of the points that you were just making, which is, you know, retirement is a relatively new modern philosophy. Yeah, what, about 100 Be years, 80 years? something like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's about that. Because basically, you know, you think when we were more of an agrarian society, it's like nobody retired. You just worked till you can work anymore. You worked till you and, dropped and in the field. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, yeah, it's been probably the last 70, 80 years. So, you know, within a generation or two that retirement's actually been an option. So, you know, so that's one thing. So the second part of that is going back to, you know, your own, your own worth. Now we have clients that'll want to retire early and financially they can, you know, let's say they want to retire at 60, 62 or something, mm -hmm. but you got to worry about health insurance and, you know, bridging to Medicare. And, you know, there's some other considerations there. So a lot of times it's, I just want to retire because I don't want to do that anymore, whatever right. the nine yeah. to five grind was. And financially they can afford to do that, but they're not ready to be completely out of the workforce. So they may go volunteer at the church. They may go volunteer at some nonprofits, or they might just go to Home Depot and get a part-time job and get health insurance and yeah. just, you know, 20 hours a week, 15 hours a week, I get health insurance and, you know, I feel relevant. You know, I feel that I'm doing something other than just, you know, as you mentioned, just sitting on the couch because you mm -hmm. don't play so much golf. Yeah. A friend of mine, he, he retired uh, about two years ago and he moved out towards the beach, uh, in North Carolina and, um, he got himself a part-time job as a stock boy <laughs> at the grocery <laughs> store, right? And he's like, it's funny. I feel funny like making these. At first, I felt funny saying to people, yeah, I'm a stock boy now. And he's like, because I had you know, kind of a big corporate -y job. And he's like, but I got past that when I realized how freeing it was. He's like, I actually really love this job. I go in. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I grab the stuff. I go about my day. No one says anything. You know, people are you know say something. He's like, but no one's telling me what to do. I got no. I don't have any deadlines. Uh, he's like, I don't have any people I have to manage. None of that stuff. He's like, it's actually super freeing. I get to go in and just do this really simple task. It occupies my mind and, and my day for a little bit. It gets me some activity, and then I'm on about my way. And I'm back at the beach later in the afternoon. No, absolutely. We, we've got a client that's a cross guard. He, he's got a couple million dollars under management with us. Doesn't need to work or do anything, can do anything in the world that he yep. wants to financially. Uh, he's a widower. So he's like, you know what? I just love, I get to, I get to chat with the parents in, in the mornings, you know, in, in the afternoons when they're picking up the kids for the elementary school. And, you know, it just, I don't care that it pays me, you know, $10 an hour or right. whatever the rate is. Mm -hmm. He's like, I just get like the social interaction and he loves kids. So, you know, it works for him. Yeah. And I th I'm glad that we've started shaking that stigma because a lot of times, you know, Mike, it used to be if you saw an older person working, you assume they had done something wrong. 
and that they had to work, right? I think a lot of times that we automatically would kind of go, oh, poor thing, they're, they're out here working. They must have, you know, they must be broke or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we kind of started to shake that societally for that standpoint because a lot of times people are in great shape. They just, they're just bored, you know? Yeah, Again, agreed. All humans, we have to have something to do. So I mentioned 50-ish, right? We're thinking about this thing, countdown list here of things to start, you know, kind of putting our mindset towards. Well, we do have on number four here, we do have some great opportunities. We've done a podcast around this. We won't get super deep, but it is a good time to maybe take advantage of some of the things that are afforded to us at 50 plus to save a little more if we need to. Yeah, absolutely. Like things, you know, I mean, simple things and, and you know, but they make a big difference over, over, you know, the next decade or so are, you know, the catch-up provisions. So if, you know, you're you're not in a 401k and you just put money in an IRA. Well, once you hit 50, instead of putting 6,000 a year, you can put 7,000 a year, you know, so that's a nice, that's a nice little boost. If sure. you're in a 401k, instead of putting 19, $20,000 a year, you can now put 25, $26,000 a year in. So there's, there's all these extra ways that you can continue to save. Another thing that happens for most when they, when they're getting in their fifties is, you know, now maybe the kids are starting to graduate from college and now all of a sudden you can redirect some of that money that might've been going to pay for their apartment or paying for tuition and books and those things to now to begin to accelerate some of the savings, you know, just, just before retirement. And, you know, that, and that helps out a lot too. And, you know, and ideally tackle the mortgage as well, because that's going to help out with cash flow in retirement. Yeah. So you got some great opportunity. You're hopefully making more than you ever have. So maybe you can save more. Maybe you can go to number five. Maybe you can also reduce some of that bad debt. You mentioned the mortgage, but if, if nothing else, because I know there's lots of philosophies about, you know, whether or not, depending on your interest rate, whether we let's pay for the house, let's not pay for the house, but definitely get rid of the bad debt. No, absolutely. I mean, we, we talk about one of the things we always, you know, kind of mention on both the podcast, radio show, when we're doing financial planning is in retirement, income's the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the whole outcome. The whole idea of retirement means I need income because the paycheck stop. So it's all about cash flow. So if on a monthly basis, you don't have to send $500 a month to the credit card companies or the, or the auto loan for the bank, and if you don't have to send $1,500, $2,000 a month for the mortgage because it's paid off, now, all of a sudden, you don't need that extra $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 of additional income coming in that you've got to send out to satisfy debts. Instead, you can actually bring in you know, 50% of what you used to make because you don't have all these debts, all these expenses anymore. Yep, exactly. Pretty simple concept, but still, it's a good time to start knocking it down as we're getting closer to the days to retirement. Uh, and then also, the same thing with risk, Mike, and especially right now, you know, where people are a lot more attuned to, woo, maybe I got a little greedy the last several years with the market and I had, uh, I was letting it ride, maybe taking too much risk. And I, maybe I shouldn't do that now that I'm 58, you know, and the markets are a little choppy or whatnot. Yeah, this this is that Mike Tyson quote. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right? Well, we're getting I mean, punched right now. It, it, exactly. And you know, we started the show kind of talking about where the markets and some of the things have sold off even more. And so, you know, a, a great thing is, and we share it with clients, is you know, stop investing if you if you've saved enough, if you've done well enough to you know get closer, almost be ready to retire, or already be in retirement, then stop playing the game. You know, it doesn't mean you don't have money in the market. It doesn't mean you're not taking some risk. But stop taking risk for the sake of taking risk, you know, and, and, you know, kind of a benchmark that's been out there for about 100 years is, you know, take take 100 minus your age. And that's around your starting point for how much equity or market exposure you have. So if you're a 65 year old, 100 minus 65, maybe you got a third of your money in the market. Now, are you going to get all the ups and all the great things when the market's rallying for the next few years? No, but you're going to get some of that. And that's going to not only protect what you have, but it's also going to keep you up with inflation and those kind of things. Now, when the market rolls over every few years, kind of like it's doing right now, you're also not going to get wiped out where it's going to take you years just to get back to where you are today. 
Yep, there you go. So that's our list of things to count down. So just some, nothing too major, nothing too dramatic. Mike, did I miss anything? Anything else you might want to add on to that? Yeah, I would, I would say the only thing, and this, this is, you know, add your countdown to those days to retirement is, you know, whether you're going to self-insure or whether you're going to mm. go out and get a policy, it's going to be a different choice for everybody else. Consider long-term care when you're in your late 50s, early 60s, because that is the sweet spot from a pricing standpoint. Mm-hmm. So if that's relevant for you and it, it makes sense, at least explore what those numbers look like. All right. Well, as always, if you've got some questions, you need some help before you take action, definitely check with your professional or reach out to Mike if you need some help at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Drop an email if you'd like as well to the show. And that's what we're going to wrap up with Janice in Chicago. She says, my husband and I have met with a couple of different uh, financial advisors, Mike, and both of them seem like they only really want to talk with him. I feel like a bystander. So what do I need to do to show that I'm just as important part of this conversation as well? Yeah, this is one of the things about the industry, and mainly because it's more of a male-dominated industry mm-hmm. that really bothers me. And it's one of the compliments that we get from, and it's usually, and it's usually the wife. Sometimes it's a husband. Usually, it's a wife. Is you know, we typically won't have a meeting with a married couple unless they both come in, even for the initial one, because at some point, you know, they're both going to have to be comfortable. They're both going to have to make decisions, and we want input from both of them. So part of it, a lot of times, you know, there's always one non-financial spouse. Rarely is it both people are equally managing the money. Somebody's managing the, the budget. Some people's managing the household. Some people's watching the kids. Someone's a breadwinner. You know, it doesn't matter. Husband, wife, whomever it is, there's always one non-financial spouse. So one thing we recently started doing is going out, and I, and I heard it at a, at a conference, and I said, that's just brilliant, is when we have spouses coming in and we hear, and it's usually from the husband, but sometimes from the wife, that, you know what, you know, oh, my spouse doesn't care. He or she doesn't get involved in the money. You know, they're going to do whatever I say. And said, oh, that's great. Well, here's what I want you to do. Before you come in for your first appointment, have that spouse, once again, whether it's the husband or the wife, the, the non-financial spouse, I want you to email three pictures, three pictures of just what's most important to them. That's it. Well, and they'll ask why. I said, well, you know, we'll cover it as we go through. Mm-hmm. So, so they'll send them up. And then when we come in and we're sitting in the conference room and I've got this, you know, electronic, you know, whiteboard and we'll put on there and I'll put those three pictures on the board. And you'd be amazed at how much input you get from the non-financial spouse because it's pictures of the kids. It's pictures of, you know, the husband and wife. Ah. It's pictures of, you know, where they want to travel to, what they want to do, or maybe it's their own kids. And the thing is, that's what's most important to them. That's what they want to talk about. Yeah, they don't care about stocks and bonds and mutual funds or the economy or inflation. What they do care about is their lifestyle, their family, and what's important to them. Yeah, the alpha and the beta doesn't become quite as a, as a, you know important in, in the uh, financial terms, right? And <laughs> all those kinds mm-hmm. of things, right? Uh, and, and I think you know to be fair, yes, it is a male dominated industry. It's getting better, uh, but I think sometimes too, yeah, maybe just we just tend to talk to. I think may, like a male might feel more comfortable initially talking with, you know, talking to another male. So I don't necessarily think it's always an egregious thing or, you know, a rude thing, but I think the industry should do a little bit better at it because it does come across that way. And I was just talking with an advisor the other day about something similar. And he says for years, he sits across for, he, when they sit down at the table, uh, he sits across from the wife always has, he says for like 30 years, I've always sat across from the wife just to initially make her feel better. You know, like, Hey, I'm not sitting across from the husband. I'm sitting across from the wife so that we can all, you know, communicate back and forth. So I would say in her situation, you know, what she need to do, just let them know how she feels. Right. And try some of the things you talked about. Yep. Cause at the end of the day, and, and I tell this, you know, when we're training other advisors and, mm-hmm. that, and that in our office is when they're walking back out to the car at the end, and, and let's say, you know, the wife is the non-financial spouse in this example, mm-hmm. you know, so Janice, I'll give you this here and they're walking back to the car. 
Whatever that non-financial spouse says about how the meeting went, that's going to determine the relationship going forward. Very true. You know, so, you know, so the, the husband who you chatted up with the entire time, yeah, hit it off with. And if she didn't feel hurt or the non-financial spouse didn't feel hurt, um, that, that relationship's never going to take flight. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of funny when you think about it because we typically pass away first is anyway, <laughs> is the <laughs> men, is right? True. So you're going to yeah. wind up working with the ladies anyway. So yeah, just let's not do that, guys. So Janice, great question. Thank you so much. Sorry that you're having some of those experiences. Definitely find an advisor that does make you, you know, feel included and get yourself involved. And certainly nothing wrong with self-advocating. So just, hey, you know, I, this is what I want to talk about as well. And of course, talk with your spouse about that too. So thanks for hanging out with us here on the podcast. Good stuff today. Thanks a lot for your time. As always, we appreciate it. Don't forget you can subscribe on whatever podcasting platform app you choose to use or you like to use. If you uh, are Apple or Google or Spotify, you can find all that stuff. You can find the show right there on their own websites on the Apple Podcast, for example. Retirement Success Blueprint is just how you search it. Or you can find all the information again at Michael's website at crystallaketax.com. That is crystallaketax.com. Mike, my friend, thanks for hanging out with me. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, Mark. We'll see you next time right here on the Retirement Success Blueprint with Michael Stewart. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are not associated entities. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial is a franchise of the Retirement Income Store. The Retirement Income Store and Sound Income Strategies, LLC, are associated entities.